Welcome back, everyone, to the third episode of the Save Us podcast. As always, thank you all so much for joining. We've got a great episode planned for today. Before we get into that, though, if this is your first time listening in, the Save Us podcast is brought to you by Plantera. Plantera provides organic and recycled clothing and also donates 10% of your order to an environmental charity of your choice at checkout. You can find out more about us at plantera.store. Also, if you missed last week's episode, we took a deep dive into plant-based dairy alternatives and uncovered some super interesting stuff. Many of us know dairy takes a toll on the environment, but we may not know the best solutions that we have as consumers. That's why we explored which alternatives are best from both health and environmental perspectives and presented our findings to all of you. So definitely recommend giving that a listen afterwards as well. Awesome. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. We're going to talk about probably one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, that is being strained by our unsustainable practices as a civilization, which is water. We'll start by looking at how serious the water crisis really is, and then also explore why it's occurring and who's responsible. Of course, this wouldn't be an episode of Save Us without some solutions, so we'll definitely analyze what's being done to help the situation. Now keep in mind, this is a broad topic that probably takes multiple episodes to tackle, so consider this a starting point that we'll likely explore further at some point in the future. So to start off here, how screwed are we really when it comes to water? Well, around 1.1 billion people worldwide lack access to clean water, and a total of 2.7 billion find water scarce for at least one month of the year. Many of the water systems that keep our planet's ecosystems thriving and feed our population are becoming stressed. Rivers, lakes, and aquifers are drying up or becoming too polluted to use, and more than half the world's wetlands have disappeared. This problem isn't going anywhere either. By 2025, two-thirds of the population are expected to face water shortages. On top of that, the crisis is disproportionately affecting women and children. Women spend 200 million hours per day hauling water, and every two minutes a child dies from a water-related disease, which is actually becoming one of the leading causes of death in children. It definitely sounds like we're pretty screwed, and there's clearly incentive to solve the problem from a humane standpoint given all the water-related suffering. And that alone should make us seriously question why we're letting this happen and what steps need to be taken. With that said, we can also look at this from an economical standpoint. $260 billion is lost globally each year due to the lack of basic water and sanitation. And having universal access to sanitized water would result in $18.5 billion in economic benefits annually just from avoided deaths. Well, on that note, why is any of this happening? It's easy to just blame it on climate change, but we have to look at the processes occurring in the background that are causing these problems. The planet's water cycle is one of those processes that are changing, which increases the risk of droughts and floods. Higher temperatures mean there is more evaporation from the land and sea into the atmosphere. As the air gets warmer, it's also able to hold more water vapor, which can lead to more intense rainstorms. These intense rainstorms increase the risk of flooding, but most of it runs off into rivers and streams, which does little to dampen the soil. And when you combine that fact 
with the fact that higher temperatures are continuing to increase, overall we have an increased risk of drought. Pretty crazy how dangerous this is because it's a looping, self-destructive cycle and the global temperatures are only continuing to increase. We're also seeing more precipitation in the form of rain instead of snow, which depletes the supply of surface water throughout warmer months and results in the overuse of limited groundwater reserves. The sea level rise is also dangerous, which is occurring due to expansion of the ocean as it warms and melting ice caps. This is obviously devastating to coastal communities, but also the planet's fresh water reserves are likely to be contaminated by salt water. There's so many other changes we're seeing too, such as increasing toxic algal blooms, stressed coral reef ecosystems, ocean acidification, and even changing of the ocean's currents themselves. All of this being attributable to climate change and our planet's unsustainable practices. Now taking a step back and looking at some causes of this crisis, we can start with water pollution, which arises from many sources such as pesticides or fertilizers, untreated human wastewater, and industrial waste. Even groundwater is often no longer safe since many pollutants can leach into the underground aquifers. The other scary thing is that it's very hard to detect at times, since things like bacteria from human waste contaminate water immediately, making it unfit to drink or swim in, whereas other toxic substances like some from industrial processes may take years to build up in the environment and food chain before their impact is finally identified. Agriculture is another big reason. The biggest, in fact, as it uses 70% of the world's accessible freshwater, and some 60% of this is wasted due to leaky irrigation systems, inefficient application methods, as well as the cultivation of crops that are too thirsty for the environment in which they're grown. Kind of like almonds, for example, which we discussed on last week's episode. Many countries that produce large amounts of food, such as the United States, China, Austria, India, and Spain, have or are nearly reaching their water resource limits. There's also population growth as another big cause. There's more of us, which means more people using water. The human population has more than doubled in the last 50 years, and municipalities for households and services take up 16% of the fresh water supply. Growth in population means mounting demand and competition for water. And statistics show that the most water-stressed areas are obviously those with few water resources, but only when combined with high population densities and high population growth rates. Finally, there's industrial use. And much like you've heard about carbon footprints, we also have a water footprint, which represents the amount of water you consume in your daily life, including water used to grow the food you eat, energy you use, and products you purchase. Certain industries have a much, much worse water footprint than others, and these main culprits are fruit and vegetable farming, textile and garments, meat production, the beverage industry, and finally automotive manufacturing. Some companies have committed to making changes, like H&M cracking down on its supply chains and committing to sustainable suppliers, or Coca-Cola pledging to return as much water back to the environment as they take, now having returned 126.7 billion liters of water through wastewater treatment. But a few companies doing their part isn't nearly enough, and most of the time even these companies could be doing a whole lot more 
considering the damage and waste they've already done. The ultimate problem lies in the fact that residential use is often the most costly, while commercial and industrial use is the least. This disincentivizes businesses from valuing their water use and allows them to use exorbitant amounts at minimal costs to them. That perfectly connects to the final part of this episode, which is exploring some solutions. Now it's important to note that this is a global problem and no one solution is going to fix the crisis. Rather, a complete transition away from current wasteful and polluting practices towards more sustainable ones is necessary, and drawing from our limited water supply sustainably such that it has enough time to replenish. With that in mind, there are some interesting things being done, and we can start by looking at a case study about South Africa. Cape Town went from a city that had to limit cleaning clothes, flushing toilets, and even showering to save water, to having their dams over 80% full in just a year. They were threatened by one of the worst ever drought-induced water crises, which ultimately made its residents much more wise with their use of water. The country had a day dubbed Day Zero, which was the day that Cape Town's municipal water supply would need to be shut off. This day was just barely averted, largely due to very strict restrictions on water use, with the threat of big fines, water limits on a per-property basis, and reduction of water pressure. Cape Town also introduced agricultural water quotas to curb water use in the sector. This, coupled with the return of some rain, allowed the city to avert day zero. This was, of course, a short-term solution though, and more sustainable solutions are being heavily invested in, such as additional jobs in water restoration and ecological infrastructure, legal limits on water use, and banning degradation of important water source areas. Ultimately, demand is set to reach 17.7 billion cubic meters of water by 2030, which is largely going to outweigh what the country is able to distribute, so these changes need to occur fast. This case study not only shows the severe consequences of wasteful water use, but also some of the appropriate steps to prevent such a situation, largely being usage restrictions both on residential and commercial parties. Some other solutions that governments are striving to allocate additional investments towards are improvements to water infrastructure, mainly prioritizing efficient distribution of water, which would prevent things like leaks. There's also rainwater harvesting and recycled wastewater that eases pressure on groundwater. And then finally, pollution control and better sewage treatment to ensure high water quality and prevent externalities associated with water pollution. We already briefly touched on what big businesses can and should be doing to reduce their own water footprint, but there are some young, small companies that are taking initiative and tackling the problem themselves as well. One example you may have heard of is actually Jaden Smith's company, Just Water. The company sustainably sources water from natural springs that produces 3 billion gallons of water a year and treats the water using ozone and UV to minimize waste and maximize safety. They also pay six times more for the water they source, which provides their source, Glens Falls, with more capital for infrastructure repairs. This is especially important since Glens Falls, like many small town water sources, loses a significant amount of water due to old pipes. In this case, 38%, or 500 million gallons. 
Flipping the cost structure of water on its head is obviously a burden to just water, but a necessary one that actually benefits all involved parties in the long run. They're able to do all this while also using packaging from plant-based and recycled materials, as well as bettering communities like Flint, Michigan by helping provide access to safe drinking water. So we covered a lot today, but I wanna leave you all with a few key points from the episode that will hopefully keep you thinking a bit longer. First, this water crisis isn't some scary possibility in the future. It's happening now and all over the world. The crisis is only going to get worse, one of the biggest reasons behind it being wasteful use of water, careless pollution of valuable water resources, and rising global temperatures, none of which are showing any indication of slowing down anytime soon without serious technological innovation and regulatory action. Finally, there are solutions to the problem, largely around limiting water use, and while this is effective, it's not enough. We need to be more creative and combine this with the supporting of specific political candidates, companies, and industries that prioritize responsible and safe water use. So that's the episode, everyone. As always, thank you so, so much for checking in. Really enjoyed diving into this one, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. So as always, please reach out at plantera.store on Instagram. If you want to support the podcast, feel free to also check out our website, which is also plantera.store, and you'll find a catalog of our sustainable products as well as our climate partners to whom we donate 10% of all orders. See you next week, everyone. Have a great day, and don't forget to do what you can to save the planet and save us. 